Hello and welcome to a brand new episode and season of the Hormonal Mama podcast. On today's premiere episode, I am interviewing infertility coach and author Erica Pope. We are having a fascinating conversation about her story as the infertile mom of four and about this incredible book series that she created, Infertility Success Stories. It is a beautiful series detailing so many women's stories with infertility and the success that they eventually had. All kinds of different stories, all kinds of different success. And the really exciting thing for me is that I am a contributing author in her upcoming book this year, Infertility Success Stories, More Success Stories. It is so exciting. It is such an incredible project. I admire Erica so much for the work that she is doing to share all of these stories. Infertility is so tough and it is so incredible to be able to share successes with people who are going through the struggle. So I am thrilled to have Erica with me. I am thrilled for you to hear our conversation and learn more about her. And if you stay put for just a minute, we'll be right back. You will not want to miss this one. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share my story and talk about my book. I'm really excited to hear your story because I, I've, you know, read a bit about it. We've talked a little bit about it. And, you know, I'm <sighs> infertility is such a, a huge part of my life and my journey. I love connecting with people who have been through infertility and, you know, we all go through these different journeys with it. And I just love connecting with people who've been through this struggle and hearing their stories. I think it's incredible. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you about it, but I'm also super excited to hear about your books because these books, I think are incredible. Your upcoming books, your published book. I, I'm just, I'm psyched to jump into that too. So I think that we should start a bit not a bit. I think we should start by talking a bit about your infertility journey because you had quite uh, a journey to share. And I don't know, I, I'd love to hear about it. So tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. So the infertility part wasn't a surprise to me. Um, I had been struggling years with really painful periods. By the time that I got an official um, unexplained infertility diagnosis, I had seven other diagnoses. I had PCOS. I had stage four endometriosis that I had excised. I had uterine fibroids. I had ovarian cysts. I had thyroid disease. Um, I think I, uh, I had factor five Leiden. Um, so I had a lot of different diagnoses. Um, but the thing that completely derailed my plan was my plan B. And I think IVF is probably everybody's plan B. And I just said to myself, well, I know all, I have all these things, all these diagnoses, all these problems, these challenges, but I I'll do IVF if I need to. Right. Isn't that what we all say to ourselves? Yep. <laughs> so at the age of 35, um, I had been working with reproductive endocrinologists for surgeries and things like that. I was told not only was I not a candidate for IVF at 35, but I had, um, door, I had diminished ovarian yeah. reserve and that I would need donor eggs. Yeah. And that completely floored me. I never expected to get that kind of a diagnosis or that kind of an answer at 
um, at that stage of my life. And um, my oldest son is, uh, spoiler alert, I'm mm-hmm. the infertile mom of four is what I call myself. I love it. Um, so I went on to have uh, four boys in a seven-year uh, time span. But 15 years ago, uh, uh, donor eggs weren't as talked about. There wasn't as much information. It just wasn't as part as much a part of the infertility journey as it is now. And I just decided that um, I wouldn't visit that until I had exhausted what I considered all my other options, which is what was wrong with my body? What could I do to fix it um, and get some additional answers? Yeah. So I had, um, I did that. I went through a healing journey that included acupuncture and herbal medicine, um, diet and lifestyle changes and, um, conceived the first time, uh, about 18 months after that diagnosis, uh, with my first son. And then, um, 17 months later conceived twins spontaneously. So I had them at 39 and I'm getting ready to reveal my age to you. Um, (laughs) and then I actually lost a set of twins at 41, um, because of not being able to get uh, a medication on board, um, fast enough for my factor five. I had a blood thinner for all my kids, uh, all my pregnancies. And then my last son was um, born at 43, just shy of my 43rd birthday. Um, you know, it's funny. So, I, just as a side note, I had my twins when I was 39 too. That's really okay. funny to hear. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. It's it, what's incredible to me, you know, is, is you're, you're talking about this journey, right. And getting all of these diagnoses, which can be extremely overwhelming on its own. But I think the, for lack of a better word, the magic of your story is that you, you didn't give up. And you said, okay, I'm going to change some things about how I'm living my life. I'm going to, you know, do these things and we'll see what happens really. And here you go with four beautiful children. That's magic right there. I mean, again, that, that's like my favorite word. I use that word a lot lately, but I think in a way it is, you know, I, I think yeah. that's pretty incredible that you went through all of that and you said, okay. I think you made a really good point too, when you talked about how donor eggs, you know, donor sperm, donor um, embryos, these things, even in the past few years have just blown up as such a, um, such a, a huge part now of, you know, fertility treatments and going through this journey when it didn't used to be. And I think it's pretty incredible um, you know, for so many people who want the opportunity to be parents and for whatever reason are struggling so much. But I, I think it's, it's so interesting that, you know, just again, as a side note that at 35, they told you that you weren't a candidate for IVF, right? That blows my mind. You know, Mm -hmm. I went through IVF. That's my twins were not a result of IVF. IVF was a massive failure for me, but I was 30, Eight, thirty-eight. when I went through IVF and, and I don't, you know, I don't know if they've changed the rules or if it was the place that you went, but I, it, it just, it so often blows my mind when our age is brought into the equation and some of it, I understand, but there's so much of it that blows my mind. and makes me feel like, what? Yes. Are mm-hmm. you, you're 55. Yeah. Maybe your eggs aren't going to be so good. Right. But, and, yeah. and yeah, there, you know, 
DOR, like you mentioned, diminished ovarian reserve. That's a very real thing. Absolutely. But it it just, it frustrates me is is I think what I'm getting at when at 35, they turn you down. That's That's, that's tough to hear as an outsider. So going through that, that must've been really, really frustrating. I mean, can't think of a better word. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of better words than that. Right. So I didn't have enough eggs for a retrieval. I was already hyper ovulating, so they couldn't stimulate me. So, um, that was, that was kind of the jumping off point. And I, I went through the process kind of, uh, a no holds barred. I, I thought, uh, and I talked to my clients about this too. I didn't have anything else to lose. I didn't have any plan, mm-hmm. any plan C. So this, I was going to make up my plan C. And what I mean by that is I had um, three laparoscopic surgeries. So the first two um, were unsuccessful, right? So the, I do these laparoscopic surgeries. The doctor, I come out of surgery. What did you find? Very little, maybe a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, a little, a, a little fibroid or a small something to remove, you know, in, in uh, my uterine lining. And I was still having these terrible, terrible debilitating Mm-hmm. um, cycles. And I thought, you know what, um, a lot of people are afraid to continue to do surgeries and kind of pro- progress that, but, you know, for, for fear of scar tissue. And I was afraid of that too. And I thought, you know what, I don't, this is my only chance. I don't have anything to lose. So, um, I did a saline infused, um, Sano histopenogram. No, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the tube. Sorry. But saline, <laughs> it's, it's so saline, confusing yeah. after a while. Saline infused ultrasound is what mm-hmm. it was. Okay. And, uh, because of the difference in how they performed that procedure versus a standard laparoscopic, they removed enough fibroids from my uterine wall lining that it looked like aquarium gravel, it looked like a handful of aquarium gravel. Oh my goodness. So I encourage people that are at a point of, dare I say, hopelessness. And this is why I share my story, because so many people walk out of that doctor's office, they get that diagnosis and they think that's it. I have no other options. There's nothing else that I can do. Um, The doctor just said that he can't help me, so I can't get pregnant. Um, And that's simply not true. So um, I've never met a client yet that has had all the all the testing, you know, people come to me all the time and say, I've had all the tests. There's no more tests that I can have. I'm like, I doubt it. So there's <laughs> always an overlooked not. test. Right. Um, and some even basic tests, uh, the medical professionals um, are not doing basic um, hormone panels and things like that. And so um, that's why I do what I do as a fertility coach is I, I want people to know that there's, there's likely always a next step to keep moving forward and providing you answers um, on your, on your infertility journey. I think that's fantastic. And and I think it's really important because it, it, I remember, I mean, I, I remember that first appointment. I remember every other appointment. And I remember that feeling of like, Oh, okay. Now what is there another step? You know, what, what, what do we do? And feeling you know, it's really as simple as, at least for me, every time I got my period meltdown, you know, just absolute, the world is crumbling around me kind of mentality. And it's death. Yeah, exactly. And it's not fair. And when you don't have that reminder from someone like you who can say, 
no, this isn't the end. It's okay. It's okay to feel this way right now. So let's work yeah. through it. There are new um, things to try, opportunities out there to make this a reality mm-hmm. for you, which brings me to um, something I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, you mentioned your clients. So, so there are two big things I want to talk with you about today. You're a coach, you're a fertility yes. coach, and you're an author. We're going to talk yes. about both of these things. Um, but first, I, I want to talk a little bit about kind of, well, I guess two, two questions about this. A, huh, maybe not. I have too many words in my head at once. I <laughs> so can't many questions. So many questions. There's so much. There's just so much to ask you because because what you do, I think, is so incredible. You know, it, it's life changing when you can help someone through this journey, through this struggle, through this madness. Um, so, tell me a little bit about what what made you want to become a coach. What was it? Your journey? Did were you a coach before your journey? Did would I guess the big question is. What brought you to the point of saying, I want to be a coach. I want to be a fertility coach. What kind of brought you yeah. to that? I want those women to know that, that are sitting in doctor's offices right now that are listening, that might be going through infertility. I want them to know that just because a doctor tells them that they can't help them doesn't mean that they can't get pregnant. And so many people over and over again, you know, when I told them my story, just, um, you know, I know that it's incredible, but just the impact, I I would just see the impact just like you of sharing my story and what happened. And that's my children are a gift, but the story of how they, they came about are also a gift. Um, I could have easily not addressed any of these things, um, probably would have ended up with a hysterectomy because of how my cycles were, um, and gone a different route. Like, there are a million different endings to that story, but this ending gave me the family of my dreams. Mm -hmm. And there are other women out there that need to hear it because while there are other options available, um, other alternatives there, you know, all the things there's also healing, you know, overall health is the goal. Pregnancy is the outcome. Um, which is completely different than, you know, what Western medicine focuses on Western medicine focuses on using medicine to get you pregnant. They don't figure out why you can't get pregnant. They just want to use the tools that they have. And what I want women to know is that they have the own, they have tools at their disposal to fix it themselves. I had no other choice, but to fix it myself and figure it out myself. And in the end, It is the thing that um, probably in some ways saved my health. Um, It has been being able to research, being able to get to a place of overall health and pregnancy has allowed me to help my children through their own health issues. And, and now I have the tools to help other people. Yeah. Um, It's out there, but not everybody has the same ability to um, grasp on uh, I call myself like a l- I'm a little bit of a, a detective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can hear in people's stories, the missing pieces of where there has been overlooked testing. There are um, unresolved traumas. There is an over um, a bioaccumulation of toxins in their, in their health and um, just help them to see the places that they can heal, um, not just for pregnancy, but for them, right. for their whole life. Because if you don't address this, you know, 
like I said, you could go a different route. You could go adoption, mm-hmm. but your body through not being through the infertility, um, is trying to tell you something you've got something going on. And that doesn't mean you're broken at all. It just means you have things that you need to listen to in your body, just like everybody does. This is just one piece of that. Yes. I love what you just said about, you know, it's the, it's, it's an overall health thing. Right. And that is so true. And I think that we tend to, we being those of us who are going through or have gone through this journey, we tend to forget that we tend to focus so much, which I understand again, I've, I've been there. So I understand why we do it, but we focus so much on our goal of getting pregnant that we forget there's more to it. Our whole being, you know, our, our overall health contributes to that. Yeah. And it it can be difficult to, well, remember that essentially. So I'm really, really glad you said that. I really am. I want to ask you before we talk up, talk about your books, you have, I, I, I saw it on your website and I love the accelerate your fertility bootcamp. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you about that for a minute, just because I mean, not just because for a lot of reasons, but I, I love the title. Um, if you could just tell us a little bit about that program and what it's all about, I mean, obviously we know what it's about, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, it's a 12 week boot camp, and I titled that because I wanted people who were really committed to making changes and, um, and going in into it with that determination of um, these are the changes that I need to make that I'm going to make and to go all in on it. So um, it's a little bit different that I, I feel like than anything else that I've seen out there. Um, when the clients start the boot camp, they start on the cycle week that they're in because um, that's very important to a woman's overall mental health. Um, I don't want to be providing her tools during the two week wait, um, as the same that she would get in week one. So it's tailored to, um, the starting point is tailored to what cycle week you're in. And one of the biggest things that we focus on is, um, mental health, because if you can't cope, you can't continue. Right. We both know. That's a great quote. I'm going to quote you. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if we can't cope, we can't continue. So there are um, progressively uh, provide tools progressively throughout the the three months throughout the 12 weeks to give you um, somatic healing tools, tools like um, tapping and EFT, AFT, um, where I bring in what I call my super friends and they're experts in their field and they provide you videos that you can go back and watch and utilize um, if it's not your month, right? Um, So those those are tools that I provide in week one. So every week is, every week is, um, is different because you're in a different place in your cycle. So, um, let me see if I can get myself focused here. Somatic healing tools. So the boot camp is, um, detox, empower and heal. So we spend a week detoxing. Um, we have tools for, if you get your cycle, we have two week wait tools because that is the most, um, intense part of your cycle is the two week wait. And so those tools focus on your overall mental health as well, but in a different place. So what we're looking to do is we're looking to shift your focus on your entire life, not just on this pregnancy outcome, but connecting with your partner, looking at your own goals and dreams, um, 
to also shift your focus away from that um, while you're healing. So you can, um, there's book recommendations. So you can pick books that are business related, that are emotional healing related, um, things like that. So I encourage the women to read a book um, during that time and focus on that, um, not as a distraction, but as a growth opportunity, because a lot of this is just a grinding down of your dreams, right? Yeah. It's just a, it's just a relentless every 28 day cycle. And so I want to expand their thinking. And the reason that I'm doing all of these things, uh, expanding their thinking, connecting with their partner, all of these things raise your vibrational frequency. And mm-hmm. when you raise your vibrational frequency in your body, in case you've never heard this before, it sounds very woo woo maybe. <laughs> To you, um, but it's measurable, right? So we all have a measurable frequency of our body. Every everything does. Um, you can go and Google that. Um, and so I'm I'm shifting their focus. So instead of a downward spiral spiral that we all want to do, right? Oh my gosh, what am I gonna get? Like, is my period gonna come? When can I test? That hyper focus. I want them to focus on growth mindset and and um, moving towards healthier, again, overall health. Um, so that's the boot camp. Um, no exercise required. But, um, <laughs> we go through, we go through, we go through your cycle. Um, and every month, uh, there are additional tools. Um, I bring in other specialists like, um, chiropractic care that is focused on fertility. Um, we go through testing that might be overlooked. So I think that's great. I love, I love that you, well, there's kind of, I love everything you said, really two things stand out to me. One, the title, like I said, I I love it. I like that it's accelerate your fertility. I really, I really like that. Just the the wording is nice, but I really like that you tailor it, you know, to to your cycle because that's, I mean, that's key. And, and, you know, you talk so much about overall health, which is just so huge. And our cycles are not just, you know, getting our period or, or getting pregnant. There's so much more to it. It's, it's part of your life. So to me, I mean, how more perfect, how much more perfect can you get than having it tailored to your cycle, to your needs at each week. And like you said, that two week wait, it's tough. Yeah. It's killer. It is. So the detox portion of it is really overwhelming for people. So this also, this 12-week period gives them a step-by-step um, time frame and progressively goes through different areas of their life. So that overwhelm, you know, instead of just be like, you know, detox everything, throw it all out, you know, <laughs> we systematically go through is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. We systematically go through and provide um, step-by-step clear and small instructions about the things that are going to provide the most impact. And I'll tell your listeners right now, if you want to have the biggest impact on your overall health and especially your fertility, your number one thing to change out is your laundry product. We're in our clothes or on our sheets 23 and a half hours a day. And uh, if you don't know, there's an organization, it's a a nonprofit called ewg.org. And they provide... Uh, toxicity ratings on it's a whole rabbit hole. So I will just tell you, there's a skin dip, skin deep database for personal care products. 
And then there's also ratings in there on laundry products. So most conventional laundry products, according to this website, get a D or an F rating. So that's 88% um, are a D or an F rating. And those things are not just um, endocrine and hormone disruption. They're asthmogens. They're known, um, they're known toxins to our body. Um, so just doing things like that uh, and walking women through where they can have the biggest and quickest impact with these small changes um, is really uh, takes the overwhelm out of it. Yeah. That's awesome. I, that's, that's really awesome. I'm going to check that out. EWG.org. Yeah. I wrote that down for myself to check it out because that's pretty cool. Well, I think I think what you do is, is amazing. Um, but it brings me then to the last thing that I really want to talk about, which are your books. You have a whole series. Um, and I want to hear a lot about it because I know we talked before we started recording about yeah. the first book in the series, which is Infertility Success, Stories of Help and Hope for Your Journey. Um, I know you wrote a chapter. It's a collection of 20 women's stories, which I think is, you know, pretty incredible because it's, you know, like we've talked about, it's really important to feel and, and realize you're not alone and hear about other people's journeys. Um, so I want to hear about that, but you also have a follow-up book to that one coming mm -hmm. out. You have um, a book about PTSD which is incredible. And then there was a, a fourth one that I wrote down and I can't find where I wrote it. Um, so we'll get to that also, but, but I'd like to hear about each of these. So let's, let's start with the first yeah. one. Tell me a little bit about that book, kind of where the, um, where the, the inspiration to put this book together came from. You know, you published this book, you wrote a chapter. Tell me about it, where it came from and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So the women in the book, um, the other authors, we all said that if we only helped one woman by sharing our story, it would have been worth all the effort, all the editing, all the, the putting together of the book. Um, we really want people not to feel alone during their journey. And so this collection of stories is from a variety of different circumstances. Some of it is uh, reproductive medicine based, some of it's natural based like myself, some of it is donor eggs, um, just the whole spectrum. Um, there's some male factor infertility in there too. Um, so we didn't want, we didn't want anybody to feel alone. We wanted to share our story and we wanted the reader to have a very personalized experience. So each of the chapters includes, um, I call it a caution. It's a cautionary tale and a, and a, uh, a workbook too. Um, what did I, what did I call it? Karen? A manual, a manual. manual, right. I like workbook too. <laughs> yeah. It's a cautionary tale and a manual because, uh, each of the stories, as we went through, we highlighted, man, I wish I had known about this test here. Let me tell you my story. But if you could, if I could have go, gone back and stopped right here, I wish I would have known this. So there's tips and every single one of the chapters peppered through. And then at the end, each of the authors uh, provided a, a resource, whether it's a checklist, uh, whether it's a, a like a little journaling workbook, there, there's all kinds of tools available via QR code at the end of each chapter. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to reach out to the authors and connect with them and say, hey, like I read your story, thank you so much, or tell me more about it or whatever your need is, you know, we're available to the reader. 
And um, that was very important to each of us. So um, it was an incredibly humbling process and we got to know each other really well. And there was a common thread with some of the women's stories, which um, led me to the PTSD book. Um, We really wanted to share uh, the the PTSD, the shame, the the additional stress um, that you and I were talking about off camera. So the follow-up book, um, I have more stories coming out. Let me just mention that. Um, More stories was initiated because there were women who had gotten pregnant during the second or during the first book. Um, There were stories that I just wanted to include and couldn't include because of space. Um, So it's really they were so impactful. I, I just knew that I had to do a follow-up, um, follow-up book and there'll be a workbook, an actual workbook nice. um, coming I'm, out with that too. So I am the world's biggest fan of workbooks. So that, yeah. I mean, like honestly, my heart, you'll yeah. be able to get that too. That's incredible. That's awesome. <laughs> give me all the worksheets, right? Yes. Give me oh, all I am a worksheet. Out. I have a problem. <laughs> I love worksheets and workbooks. Yeah. I think that is so cool. That, that's so yeah. exciting and awesome. I love it. So during the process of making this, this first book, you know, women would say things um, just about their journey, their relationships with their spouses, but there is a PTSD component to going through infertility and then having a child um, and people, people overlook it. When you go through infertility and you get pregnant, it's as if a fairy godmother has waved a magic wand over you and all the trauma of the losses, the failed IVFs, the miscarriages, the month, you know, the months that you didn't get pregnant is supposed to just go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't happen. Nope. Um, a lot of women going through infertility are also type A personalities. And so here we get this little baby that are like our joy, everything. And it's so intense. We feel like we can't have a full range of emotion. Motherhood is kind of like that anyway, right? We, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. There's a lot of expectations, but it's, um, it's a denial of being able to have a full range of emotion because we went through infertility. Well, I can't complain that my baby's not sleeping because I have been praying and begging and pleading, you know, with God, the universe, whatever you want to say for this child. So how dare I have the full range of emotion of exhaustion or overwhelm or being touched out or, or any of those things that mothers go through, there's that added layer because of the infertility journey and nobody, nobody sees it and it's not recognized and women are living in shame. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so much more intense. I, I truly believe it's so much more intense. Um, so that's, that's amazing. I, I think, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm a little overwhelmed with thoughts because you make such good points and you're so right about everything you're saying. And to me, just personally, it's so nice to talk to someone who gets that, you know, we were talking about that before we started recording and, and that's something, you know, gosh, when I was finally pregnant, so many people would say to me, you're past it now. And I'd be like, I can't breathe. And they'd be like, why not? And I'd be like, I'm so nervous. I'm so anxious because right. all you can think about is everything you've gone through up to that point. Right. I, you know, when I was first pregnant with my twins, they had a triplet sibling and I, you know, those first nine weeks, I couldn't breathe every day. Cause I was like, are you still there? Are you still there? Are you still there? Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't know, you know, there was a lot of, you might lose one or two or all three of the babies. 
And we did, we lost one of them. And from that moment on, it was, okay, are you both still in there? Can I feel you? Not yet. How about today? Okay. What's going on now? Oh, I don't, oh my gosh, I already went through so much. And it's, gosh, even thinking about it right now, Yeah, I'm like sweating, thinking about what that was like. And you know, pregnancy, yes, it's, it's always difficult. There's always stress. There's always, I mean, yes, I know plenty of people who had stress-free pregnancies and, you know, I don't want to talk to them, <laughs> yeah. of course, but you get the point. Um, but yeah, this, this whole infertility nonsense, as I like to call it mm-hmm. really affects not just your mm-hmm. pregnancy when you give birth, you know, I mean, gosh, right. I still think about it every day. Think about yeah. what a miracle they are. They being my children. And how it's completely never really leaves you, unfortunately. Right. And and I, yeah. it's tough for people who have not gone through this to understand that, because their best intentions, at least in my experience, is always to say, "But you had your, you have your kids now. You can forget about all that." And it's like, right. no, you really can't. It it happened. Yeah. It was real. Right. right. So, and that's that's definitely the PTS com- PTSD component, right? Yeah. Um, we don't want to walk around feeling this way. We don't want to walk around with this anxiety, but it's every stage of the process. When you're going through the pregnancy, you're terrified that the babies are going to die. You're go through delivery. You're terrified that they're going to die. They're here. Now it's that helicopter parenting. It's that anxiety. Oh my gosh. Are they still breathing? Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's really, really intense. And it was clear that the authors also went through a similar story. And um, again, it's that added layer, like a lot of women have those kind of feelings. um, But the, the added responsibility, the added emotional impact of um, kind of going to battle to Mm -hmm. to get to get these children in our lives to have them born, um, just intensifies, intensifies that. So um, I've, we found it was very common. And really wanted to, again, shed light. So people don't feel like they're alone and there's so much shame too. Right. You know, like the normal feelings of motherhood of, oh my gosh, I love this baby. And if somebody doesn't take this baby for a minute, I'm going I'm, I'm to go crazy, <laughs> Yes, you know, <laughs> intensified because you're like, you're horrified as yep. a mom period, but as an infertile mom, you just feel like you have to suck every minute of essence out of all of it because yes. you waited for it so long. Gosh, you know, it's so interesting to hear you say that. So interesting for so many reasons. And I think I just made a connection in my own head. My children, no one has ever babysat them other than my mom and, and my husband and my children. And I lived with my parents uh, for the first three years of their lives. We only moved yeah. out of their house a few months ago for many reasons. So my mom babysat them you know, a few times where it would be my husband and I going to the supermarket for 45 minutes or an hour. Yeah. Only a few times in their whole lives. And last week was the very first time that anyone babysat them. And it was my sister-in-law and she babysat them for, I don't know, three hours. And I'm always, you know, everyone's always talking about, you know, this person's watching the kids. I got the babysitter, got the nanny, I got the whoever. And I'm always like, I don't want anybody watching my kids. And it never occurred to me until you just said that that I think that that's related to wanting to soak up every second I possibly can with them. Like they're in Mm -hmm. preschool now. And I'm like, someone else is watching my kids. What? No, what? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting 
because you really just opened up my mind a little bit that I hadn't really thought about this. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, I can't. Hyper, like it's a hyper vigilance. Yes. It's a hyper connection. Yes. And I never, right. it just never made the connection that it was maybe due to what I went through. And it makes so much sense. Erica, you're there brilliant. you go. Brilliant. Thank <laughs> you. I feel like I genuinely, it's going to sound weird or maybe it won't. I genuinely felt my, my, my mind kind of go, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, and that that happens. That's just, I don't know, that's pretty incredible. Okay, one last question about your books, and then I'm going to switch gears for a minute. Sure. Um, How can people get their hands on on these incredible stories? Yeah, so um, Infertility Success Stories of Help and Hope is available on Amazon and on um, where books are sold. So Target or Barnes and Noble, they're available at all the places, the Kindle. uh, it's available for your um, Kindle as well. Awesome. And um, yeah, so, and then I'm except I have a few spots still available for more stories. So that application is at the top of my website um, where you can just click and let me know what story you're interested in. It's a short application. It is a author sponsored book. Um, so everybody contributes to the publishing of the book. And, um, and then of course, um, it's infertility success to total mess about the PTSD fallout after infertility. And I'm accepting applications for that. And the fourth book that you were, um, struggling to find the title for was, um, infertility success. Look what God did. And that was again, born out of this book here, um, of people's walks of faith where I really wanted to give an opportunity, um, again, not feeling alone through their struggle of being, um, being faithful and questioning, um, if they were being punished, if they had done something wrong, what that faith walk looked like, what it looks like now on the other side and just, um, normalizing the questioning, right. Normalizing the struggle with faith that people who go through infertility go through. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so intense, but yes, I talk about that all the time because yeah. there is a huge struggle with faith, whatever that is. Right. Oh, I'm so, cause I feel like that's just not addressed enough. Right. That's yeah. Incredible. And you know, there's a lot of um, platitudes that are given to women going through infertility, you know, in God's time and uh, you know, it'll happen when it happens and relax. And all of those are true and hurtful to be said. And, um, and it doesn't negate the feelings of the person that are, that's experiencing them. Agreed. A hundred percent. So let's, let's, uh, switch gears for a minute. I have a couple of fun questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I sent them to you, so I know that you were a little unsure. So let's start with the, well, for some people, it's the easier one. Well, I think for most people, this one's a little easier and it is who are three people who have had the most influence or inspiration in your life? Now, they don't have to be people you know. I don't know if I if I prefaced that, but who are those three people, would you say? Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say this might be, I don't know. I always think that it's a funny one, but um, Oprah Winfrey, when I was a kid, um, was still on television. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Um, 
I remember watching her show like every day after school. And I was in an environment that was um, not a great situation. I went through um, years of abuse. And when she started talking about um, when she started talking about her sexual abuse and that she had lived, you know, what she had lived through and things like that, it really just gave me an anchor point that this person um, was able to move forward with their life, be successful, be healed. Yeah. Um, it was, it was everything to me at the time because I was experiencing sexual abuse. And mm. so I've always like envisioned that maybe I would someday meet Oprah and be able to tell her, you know, what an impact that she had um, on my life as, um, as a, a, a young girl sitting on the other side of that TV, just knowing that I could be okay. I mean, how powerful is that? And Oprah, I mean, a lot of I'm people... sure there's, I'm not the only one. I'm sure oh, yeah, I'm not the yeah. only one. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and I know, and I understand why, I mean, she is just yeah. such an incredible human being. Yeah. And, but I think how powerful to feel I'm not alone. Right. I'm not alone. It's, it's kind of what we were talking about with our books. It's just like dawned on me, you know, um, it wasn't, you know, in the, in the, it wasn't talked about like it is now, you know, people don't understand. Um, it wasn't talked about. And she was one of the first people that was shining a light on this. Yes. And so not to feel alone. Yes. Um, I don't, I did. I, yeah, That's I just incredible. made a connection here. So. I, I just, uh, yeah, love that. I mean, I, I, me I not just, feel alone. I hear her name. I see her, I hear her voice and I'm like, there she is. Like, she's just such an incredible person in this world. So, okay. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. So that's number one. So my, my older sister, um, closest to me probably had the second most impact on my life. Um, I am the youngest. Um, I was, I was born to older parents, much older parents, like, uh, a whole generation older. So they would have appeared to be, uh, my grandparents, like my dad was born in 27. My mom was born in 39. Um, and so my sister, we lived in the shadow of a big 10 university, but I didn't have any idea what that meant. Um, my parents, um, while they ended up running successful businesses in their life, neither one of them had, um, even a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And, um, my sister and my brother-in-law, well, it's, it's technically, I guess my brother-in-law, but, um, you know, they were able to show me like what college was and, um, just healthy relationships in general. And so that was hugely impactful in moving my life forward, um, in a positive way. So that's, that's incredible. I I love hearing things like that because it's going to sound really sad, but I love hearing things like that because you don't hear about that a lot. You know what I mean? Hearing that, that incredible, well, influence that someone in your family can have on you and, and can be so important to you and show you, help show you the world really. And I think that's, that's just a beautiful thing. And I could cry about it, but I won't, I won't cry. (laughs) Um, Okay. So that's number two. And then what would be your, who, what, or what would be your third? Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't know how to identify this um, well. So I'm going to just say there's been a few people in my life, um, a writing instructor, writing horseback riding, um, which I grew up um, writing. 
mm-hmm. and um, therapist that basically just believed in me um, and showed me how had had confidence in me and showed me how much of an overcomer that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to see that in yourself uh, and inspired me to see uh, what I've overcome and what um, what impact I've been able to make on the world. So, or could make on the world mm-hmm. um, by sharing my story and, and just believing in me, you know, so. That's pretty incredible. And those kinds of people can absolutely help change your life and, and yeah. make you realize, oh God, what's the right word? What am I trying to say? That you're more than you may think you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, well, beautiful, really. Those are, I mean, I, I always say this and it doesn't, and I don't know how to word it better. I mean, I want to say those are such great answers. They're all great answers because they're all unique, very personal answers, but the stories behind them, I think are pretty fantastic. So yeah, let me ask you my last question. And this one's always (laughs) a tough one because I make it so open-ended. Yeah. So if you could have, and I'm going to explain it the way I always explain. If you could have a dinner party now, not everybody likes dinner parties, so you don't have to worry. It doesn't have to be a dinner party. You can have, you know, a, a, you know, a a hangout session or, you know, drinks or a walk or whatever, whatever floats your boat with three. I always put it in quotes and say people, but as you saw on the, the note here, they don't have to be people. They can be anything or any idea that you want. Who would those three, I'm going to say beings, who Uh would those three be and why? Well, I am a super curious person. And so there's a lot of questions (laughs) that I want the answer to. Like, um, I have to say, I I, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out how to frame this. Like, do I say God? Do I say Jesus? But I want to ask all the questions and see all the things. Like (laughs) I want to know about the Mayans over here. And I want to know about, like, I want to know it all. I want to know all the secrets of everything. Totally. All of history. Right. (laughs) All of it. Everything that I always. And then. Yes. Whether that be a time traveler, whether whoever can give me those answers, you know, I want to. Totally. I want to know all the secrets to everything. So, um, love that we'll saying we'll just say God at that point. Right. Okay. I like, um, it. and who else did I write down? Um, if I know all the secrets to everything, um, I, I would love to meet my younger unaffected self, my child self. Like I would love to, cause I remember like little pieces of that person. Mm-hmm. They don't have like a good memory and a good sense of, of that, um, pre-trauma or without the the veil of the trauma. So I would love to see that per that younger version of myself. I love like the little kid version of myself. What an incredible answer that is. I love, I mean, my, I don't know if you can see how big my eyes are about to pop (laughs) out of my head, but I just love that answer because I think, I mean, how incredible would that be? Okay. And then who would your last, uh, being or person or idea or whatever be? Yeah. Um, I feel like I got asked this question and I I can't remember who the person was, but it's a better answer than this, but I picked queen Victoria because Mm. she had such, um, a, she had such a, a difficult reign and she was crowned so young and she was such a 
hors de force. Like she, she has a whole error named after her, you know, (laughs) Um, and she was so impactful. And so just to be able to like um, meet somebody with that strong of will, you know, and just have a conversation with them about how they were able as a woman, especially to navigate the politics and the society and just all of it. I think it would be a fascinating conversation to have. Uh, yeah. I'd like <laughs> to listen to that conversation. I'll just yeah. sit in the corner where you can't see me. I'll cover myself with, you know, some bread or something. So you don't know I'm there. I think that would be a really, really cool gathering. We'll say gathering. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. Thank you for answering that question. I know it's tough. Sure. Every time I ask people, I'm like, man, do people think I hate them? Because that's a hard question to answer, but yeah. it's, I personally, I think it's really fun to get super introspective and, and kind of, in a way it makes you kind of learn more about yourself, even just thinking about yeah. that question. And I, 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 love I like making people think about themselves. I don't know why. Yes. Um, okay. Very last question. And this is okay. an easy one. How can our <laughs> listeners find you, connect with you, learn about you, what you do, your books and all of those things? What's the best, what are the best places or place? Yeah, the best place um, is probably on my website. And that's just my first and last name. It's Erica with a C. And it's Hoke, like hope. I keep saying that I would love to change my last name to hope. Um, But it's H-O-K-E and EricaHoke.com or on Instagram at infertile mom of four. I like that so much. And I do have a free Facebook group that is um, in support of um, you know, resources and support, um, interviews and things like that. And that's infertility empowered. Ooh, I like that infertility empowered. We need to hear the word empowered more in our uh, circle. I think. Yeah. Erica, I just want to take a second and thank you so much for this interview. You and everything you do is incredible. I can't wait to check out your book because, you know, I, I just, I just think you, you shed so much light on, um, well, everything surrounding infertility, but, but I'm particularly excited really that, that you are putting out this book, focusing on PTSD as it relates to infertility, because it's very real. And, you know, as you know, we're often made to think it's not. So I think that's incredible. So anyway, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk with me and tell me about all this incredible stuff. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity.